0: Well, if you have a Bible, uh, we're going to be in the last sermon of decision-making, and it will tie well into every knee, I'm confident. So uh, Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to be looking at verses um, 15 through 21 together. So Ephesians chapter 5, looking at verse 15 through 21. I'm going to read it for us real quick, pray, and then we will uh, speed through a final look at decision-making. It says this, starting in verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you so much for this morning. And Lord, in these few minutes... Um, we have together to look at your word. I pray that you would open up our hearts to be men and women that make wise decisions and wise use of time, the days that we have. We love you. We lift up this time to you. To your name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, whether you believe it or not, your time is short. Your time in life is short. Your time before finals is short. For some of you, the fact that time is short is an exciting reality. For some of you, the fact that your time is short is a terrifying reality. But we want to look at, in this last time we have together, in making good decisions, is this, what do we do with the short time that we have? we you've been with us through the series. We've we've uh, traveled through a U version, a Bible um, devotional time through it that you can continue to access as well. But also, we this is not clicking for me, gentlemen. I'm very very sorry. You're gonna have to progress this. Uh, for me, um, we we've looked. Additionally, you got to keep on going for me to help my life. Uh, for we've had the series called Ask It, and we are in the last part of this series where we are looking at the time that we have. What do we do with our time in the meantime of our decision? What do we do with our time? And I will give you a couple of quotes about time, just to think about it. How other people view time. Jim Mitchell says this: "Time is the scarcity, and it's the commodity we can't create any more of." Jim Rohn says it this way, time is more valuable than money. You can't, you can get more money, but some of you are saying, how, Kevin? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you can get more money, but you can't get more time. And the Bible has been saying this too, and that's one of the pieces, one of the wisdom pieces that we get from the scripture, because Moses says this in Psalm chapter 90, verse 12, he says, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. The Bible tells us all along, and, and, and Paul is telling us in this section, that we need to be wise with our time, because our time is much shorter than you think, and that's why we have a measuring tape, people to realize how short our time is. Now, one side of the measuring tips, so if you grab it real quick, this is a little exercise. It'll be fun. Or sobering. Uh, we'll see uh, how it goes. Uh, one side is inches. Uh, we're in America, so we're not going to deal with those. Uh, we want to go to the opposite side. That was a measurement joke. Um, We're going to go to the other side, and and these are actually centimeters, and I know it can be a little bit tough to to read it, but the number to the left is the number in centimeters. So you have one centimeters, two, but it looks like 20, three centimeters, but it looks like 30, four centimeters, but it looks like 40. Y'all understand? All right, so uh, what I want you to do is I want you to look all the way to the 92, all right? All the way to 92. And that's 92 centimeters is what I'm calling them. It's also 920 millimeters, but we're not getting too deep into math. You've got other things to study for. Um, and I want you to view this yardstick as like the length of your life. Um, and I know some of you in the room may be older than 92, and this is not to discourage you in your, in your length of your life. If you, are, if you are over 92, then praise God, you keep on trucking and, and do great things. But I just had a, had a, I just had a yardstick, so that I'm, just, I'm dealing with my limits. Um, but here's what I'd love for you to do. is I'd love you to look at this yardstick, and I'd love for you to go to your age in terms of centimeters. And I want you to go ahead and rip off at that point your age. For me right there. This represents your past. This is the time that has gone that make sense? So you're around 20, 18, 19, 20, so you go to one eight zero, right? And I want you to take your pass, and I want you to drop it behind you. You can't remake that. That's gone. Now, people, you just let those things fall to the ground. Don't, don't spy on someone else's age. Um. <laughs> and then I want you to do something that may be a little bit more challenging uh, for you. We're, we're going we're to look little to the right on this, and say, all right, when do you think will be the end of your days? Now, hey, hey, now, now, this could be discouraging, okay, so I'm going to give you a, a, a graph to help you. Um, in America today, uh, the average age for most life expectancy for most men is about 78.7. The average for women is 80.3. Women, you're better. And... Um, <laughs> And so, so I, I'm not, not to discourage. Not just When do you think might be the end of your days? And you're like, Kevin, it doesn't go far enough. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. When do you think would be the end of your days? And go ahead and rip off about then. I'm going to rip right about here. Now, this isn't actually making a decision. It's just a guess, all right? So don't, don't freak out. And you're like, Kevin, I'm going to live to 150. All right, fair enough. So rip off your piece, and we're going to put that in front of us. And this is just an exercise. This is just to look at. But that remaining section, that's your life. That's the time that you have left. And for some of you, that, that is very, very long. For others of you, that's shorter than you would have hoped for. Um, but the reality is this. What the Bible tells us is that our time, even no matter how long or short our little measuring tape is, our, our, our time in life is short. Do You take that and I want you to put it aside for a second. I want you to, to think about if you were to measure your time. And to think strategically about the time that you have, how would you best utilize these days that we have? And there's some sobering realities that Paul gives us in this section. He tells us really two things about our time. Our time is short, but there's really two pieces to understand. Our time can either be used wisely or unwisely. And what he means by that is this, our time can be wasted or our time cannot be wasted. Our time can be wasted or can be redeemed. And the first section I want to show you is this, that our time literally can be wasted. In verse 15 of Ephesians, it says this, Now look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your days. Verse 17, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery. He says, I want you to not be foolish, meaning the in, in Greek, the word foolish means it's, it's, it's phenomenal. It means um, foolish, a fool. Don't be unwise. Don't be dumb. Don't be a fool with your time. And he gives us an example in verse 18 of, of what it looks like to live a foolish life. And he says this, don't get drunk with wine. Don't be drunk. For that's debauchery, and debauchery basically means just uh, 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 licentious living or wasteful. He's saying specifically, don't waste your time. And the thing he's saying is this, you can live your hours, and those hours can be wasted. And I don't want you to do that. I want you to be focused, intentional with your time, because you can literally waste your time. And and he's using um, drunkenness as one of those examples of wasting your time. And that may be an issue for you, so that may be something for you to think about. But that may not be the way that you waste your time. And the truth is, we waste our time in a ton of different ways. And we waste it in, I would say, two big categories. I would say that we waste our time. The first category is this, where we disengage from the present. And the second category of wasted time is this, when we devalue the present. The first big category I'm saying is when we disengage from the present. I really think that's what he's getting at with the alcohol illustration. I mean, what's the point of getting drunk? I just want to escape reality. I just want to go have fun. I just want to disengage from whatever it is that's pressuring me. And I tell you what, during finals, there is a tremendous desire to disengage. Am I right? There's this tremendous desire to go, I don't want to deal with the pressures right now, and Netflix is calling me. And I will just disengage and just spend hours on Netflix or video games or a conversation over coffee that has nothing to do with being intentional. It's just wasting your time, and it's disengaging from what's right there intentionally in front of you. Or the second thing that we can do is we can, we can disengage, but the second thing we can do is to devalue the present. We, we can see the relationships that may not carry through the summer as no longer valuable. So that person that you sit next to in class, you may be saying to yourself, you know what? I'm never going to see them again, thank God. And I'm just going to devalue this present that I have with them. I have one more class with them when I'm taking my final. It doesn't matter. And I'm going to devalue that relationship. Or it's, it's some other uh, event that you're at and you're interacting with people in that moment, but you're like, I don't know if this relationship will continue. I don't know if this person will be a part of my life in the future. And so what we tend to do is devalue relationships in the present or we devalue our organizations. I mean, we're literally at the end. And so whatever event our organization has, it's very easy to, to disengage from that organization because it we feel like it doesn't really matter, and so we pull out from commitments, and we don't value that time well. We ignore relationships. We quit responsibilities, or here's another way that I think we, we do this in devaluing the present, and it's, it's huge, especially in the realm of college, is when we, we assume that all of our time now doesn't really matter. It's time in the future that matters most. So whatever it is that we're doing now is less valuable than whatever it is we're walking into in the future. And that causes us to devalue the moment. And in college, this, this tension is extremely high. I remember when I first started college ministry three years ago. Okay, Three years ago, I started in college ministry. And I remember... It was probably week one into college ministry. I'm meeting people, developing relationships, and I can't tell you how many times people ask me this question, Kevin, how long are you doing college ministry? What's next for you? And I'm like, this was the next, (laughs) right? I was doing youth ministry. I loved it. It was so good. And like, I stepped into college ministry. I'm a week into it. And they're like, so what's next? And I'm like, what are you, I'm here. Like, this is the next, but I'll tell you what, in college, there's this tendency, especially as a freshman, you're like, oh, I'm so glad you're here at a and oh, you're an Aggie, that's so great. When are you leaving? Like, when are you out of here? Like, when, when's, the, when's the next thing, right? Like, I'm so glad you're here, that's so great. You're going to do Yale practice, is so, that's so awesome. Okay, wh- when are you leaving? When are you going to be gone? Like, are you going to go in three years, four years, five years, six years, a decade? Like, how long is this going to take you to walk through here? Are you done with this, you know? And I tell you, a, special ten, a special tension of seniors is this, when you see the next clearly, when the next is really crystal clear, like you have that job, you're like, oh, praise God, you have that job, suddenly everything back here can become a little bit less valuable, a little bit less important. And let me tell you what about that devaluing of the present. It doesn't stop once you graduate college. Let me give you a little picture and window into your future. There's going to be at some point that you get married. Oh, it's going to be glorious. Then, ask, then they're going to ask you this question. When are you going to have kids? It's going to be great. You're like, okay, we got married like yesterday. Like I, we got some time before that. And then you get kids. And then they're going to say, okay, or, or so, so they get married. And then, and then they're going to be like, okay, finally, a couple years in, we, we decided to have kids and you have kids and that's great. And then they're going to say these questions like, oh, man, you just had a baby. Yeah, can't wait till that kid's walking. Like, what? Like, I just had the child. Like, I can't wait till it's walking. Okay, I can't wait till it's potty trained. Oh, yeah, I just can't wait to get away from this thing. Oh, can't wait till they're in junior high. Oh, can't wait till they're in high school. Oh, can't wait till we ship them back off to college. And, and there becomes this tension of, like, can't wait till then they have kids, and they, when can I be a granddad? You know, like, like, all of those things push forward, and what ends up happening is that we rob the present by merely a hope in the future. And what ends up happening is we devalue what's right here in front of us, and Paul says, I want you to understand. I want you to be strategic with the time that you have because it's limited and it's going to go quickly. Christopher Rice says this, every day is a bank account and our time is currency. No one is rich. No one is poor. We've all got 24 hours each. So imagine for a moment that your time was actually money. I want you to think about your time as actual money, actual investment, actual dollars. These little millimeters of moments are literally money in the bank. And I want you to think about the past month, if you can imagine that far back. And if you were to look at your Google Calendar, if you don't use Google Calendar, shame on you. Use Google Calendar, it will change your life, all right? So using Google Calendar, and if you marked all the moments of your day, and you assigned a dollar value to each hour, if each hour, 24 hours a day, was worth a dollar, and you had to either pay yourself money based on hours well spent, or give money to someone else based on hours poorly spent, Would you come out on top or would you owe a lot of cash? Maybe that's beyond you. Okay. So let's think about what time did you wake up in the morning? Uh, 11. Okay. So the hours of 7 a.m. to 11 a.m., was that well-used time or poorly-used time? Do you owe money or do you pay yourself money? Oh, that's a good question, Kevin. I don't know. How would you evaluate that? Sleep is vital to the human existence. Yeah, okay. yeah. So just think about those hours, right? And think about the classes that you needed to go to or the classes that you skipped between 11 a.m. and maybe 4 p.m. Okay, think about the hours of class you did or did not go to and how you spent that time. Oh, Kevin, you're getting really too personal. Like, when's Jesus come into the picture? All right, all right. And then think from 4 p.m. to midnight and and how you spent that time. Was it valuable or not valuable and how you spent that time? And just think about weeks and months of of how you laid out your time and, and money you paid out or money you're giving yourself. Are you actually using your time in a way that's valuable or are we, and I think I'm guilty of this too, are we wasting a lot of our time? See, are we being unwise? And it may not be getting drunk. Maybe it is. But maybe there's just a lot of other time suckers that cause us to de- time can be redeemed amen Your time can be useful, and so he gives us three big pieces I want to give us in order to utilize our time well from this section and it 's this the first one is this that we see strategically our time. he says this in verse fifteen, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the Best use of one's time because the days are evil. He says this, I want you to look carefully. That means the the word look is basically a vision of of, of seeing something, and carefully means accurately or precisely. It means I want you to look precisely about how you walk, And, and walk, generally speaking, is how you live your life, how you spend your time. But if you're thinking about it literally, about how I literally walk, there's only a couple moments in life when you actually consider carefully how you walk. And there's one moment when you were a kid, and it was this, when the ground was lava. So my kids play this game all the time, you know? Like, all of a sudden, they'll be kind of in the living room, just kind of hanging out, having a good time. Then one child will yell out, the ground's lava! And then, like, you're terrified. You jump onto the couch, right? And you throw out pillows, as safety nets, you know, like things that you can land on safely, right? And that's when you actually think about how you walk. The second place uh, you think about how you walk is when you're on a hiking trip because you're from Texas and we don't hike, we drive, you know? And we like get out of our cars and we walk on a safe little uh, driveway or something like that to the next thing. It's everything's very clean and crisp and, and easy to walk on. But when you go to the mountains, when you go to the wilderness... And you start hiking up switchbacks. And I remember one time in Colorado when, when we were walking through one area and snow had covered the path. And my uncle is leading us. And he goes, looks back and he says, I'm going to plow a trail and you step in after me. And he's like a mountain man. His name is Jim Smith. He lives in Colorado. Huge beard, just like intense man. And he just starts hammering out steps, and I'm like, sir, yes, sir, and I'm like, I'm not going, and I remember one point looking down this sheer snow-filled mountain going like, okay, I'm gonna, what am I doing here, this is, and I just focused in, and I was focused on my steps, I was looking carefully, precisely, so that I wouldn't die, And what Paul is saying is this, I want you to look carefully about how you live your life, your walk, meaning how you spend your time. Harold Honer, Ephesians commentator, theologian, says this, what Paul is saying is to take advantage of every opportunity, to purchase or buy back every moment, to think intentionally about every interaction you have that we would say that every interaction is intentional. So I was talking to a student earlier this week, and, and he was trying to invite other students to go with him on this mission trip, this mission opportunity. And uh, he says, "It's getting to the end of the semester, and, uh, and I've only had a couple guys go with me. And, and, uh, and he's like, I feel bad because like, I'm, I'm that guy now, like recruiter. <laughs> you know, So almost every relationship, a guy sees him and he's like, Oh, great, you're going to talk to me about, you know, whatever opportunity. again. he's like, I felt so bad about it. But at, at one level, no, we don't want to be like heavy recruiter for something. But on the other side of it, what he was learning is a biblical principle, which is this. The time is short. And if I'm only going to have one conversation with this person, I should be intentional with it. I should see this interaction strategically and not just let it be flippant, not just let it pass. And so one of the things that I try to do in my life is utilize the areas of play. So in, in, in thinking about how do you live your life strategically, there's really three main areas. Where you live, where you work, and where you play. Where you live is like your house, your neighbors, that sort of thing. Where you work is probably school. For me, it's church, so there's not a lot of strategic non-Jesus Conversations happening there. Um, it's mainly about work, which is good. Um, but where I play is where actually my kids play. And so my son plays soccer. And, and so he, I go there, and I think strategically about the relationships with those soccer parents. And so there's a group of parents. So um, a couple of them are from Ecuador. Uh, uh, one couple is from Spain. Uh, and another one is, uh, they, they lived in Hawaii. They're in the military family. And so I literally strategically build a relationship with those people. And I see other parents that are there. And they're focused on whatever's on my phone or whatever book I can read. And they're completely disengaged with the moment. And so I'm there playing with the parents. And it's actually been really fun. So I played soccer growing up. And so one of the parents brings a ball. And they're from like Spain and Guatemala. So they're like already good soccer players and athletes. And so we're there. And we're just like kicking the ball back and forth, like reliving the glory days and just having fun. And and I'm going, this is so great. This is so intentional. And I'm building relationships with those parents and families for the gospel. And inviting them into community. What I could have used as a simple moment to disengage and do my thing while my kids play in soccer, I've tried to use strategically. How many of those moments do we miss in life? There's been other seasons with parents that I haven't been so strategic. And so then I don't have those relationships. I'm not building the relationships with those people. And I said, I don't want to do that this year. And for many of you, let me just make this real practical. There are relationships that you have in college right now that are probably going to end when the semester ends. What is a closing conversation you can have that's intentional with them? Maybe it's one last group study that you're going to have, and you're like, you know what, I've never shared the gospel with this person, but I'm actually going to be strategic to say, you know what, I want to tell you about my life just one time, and then we're going to go our separate ways, but I feel like I just want to tell you about what God's done in my life. But you would think strategically about that moment. And the other one is this: when you go to summer, some of you are going to go work at camp this summer. Anyone? Camp? A couple of you. That'll be fun. Some of you are going to work internships, jobs this summer. Some of you are going to be waiting tables this summer. Come on. And my challenge to you is this: you walk into that job, into that opportunity strategically. Asking yourself, what relationships am I going to build? How can I pour into them in this short season? The second thing I say is this, think deeply. In 517, he says this, Now therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Think deeply about what God's will is for you. And there's a couple areas. Your personal devotional life, serving, sharing your faith, and every need. Every knee is that opportunity that our church is really laying in front of you to say, look, God's doing something here. How can you play a part? As more information is rolled out about every knee, what what could your part be? Could you think strategically about going and partnering with one of those campuses? Could you think strategically about how to think about when we're going to go plant in another place? Maybe you take a job in that place to go help plant a church there. Maybe it's one of those deals, but but thinking about those things, but but also your personal growth. How are you growing spiritually? And thirdly, the last piece that Paul gives us is this, that you be filled with the Spirit. And it's really easy to tell whether or not you're filled with the Spirit. It's passive. Like Paul says, be filled. Like, let it happen to you, but it's very easy to figure out if you're actually filled with the Spirit. And he says this, it's because of how you treat one another and how you treat God. He says, are you speaking to one another kindly? In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, are you encouraging one another? Secondly, are you singing, making melody to the Lord? Are you singing to God? Are you, are you praising him for who he is? Are you being thankful? Are you giving thanks to God in every circumstance, even in the midst of finals, even in challenges? Are you, are you giving thanks to God? And lastly, are you submitting to one another? As each person is, that you're interacting with, are you, are you putting yourself under them, putting their needs before yours and caring for them? See, sometimes we make being filled with the Spirit really, really complicated, but Paul makes it really, really simple. Are you loving one another And are you loving God? And if you're loving one another and you're loving God, let me tell you what, that is spirit-filled living. And so I wanted to close our time together as we do each week with some spirit-filled expression. So in this moment, I want you to do, as we stand together, as the band comes up, I want you to stand together and I want you to turn to one another. And I want you to say one positive thing, one encouraging thing to the person sitting next to you. So stand up, say one positive thing to the person sitting next to you. Love your hair, you look amazing, you've encouraged me this week. All right, perfect. And now I want you to direct your attention up here. We have encouraged one another, hopefully. I want you to focus up here and in our last, our last few moments together, we are going to praise God. Amen. And this is strategic. This is intentional. We don't sing songs to fill time. We fill songs to change hearts. We sing songs because God engages us in this moment. And we sing praises to God because he has so loved us. Amen? And as you're making decisions in life, I'll just tell you this. I I pray that you make the best decisions. But I pray that God is the center of it all. I pray that God is the center of every one of your decisions because he loves you and he cares for you. So as we close up this, this last moment in, in, in worship, I pray that you would just praise, praise big, our God who loves us. We pray. Lord, thank you so much for each student here. Thank you so much for the way that you're leading and changing our lives. And I pray that as we sing this song to you, you would help us engage with you, Jesus, because you've given us so much to be thankful for. You've given us great friends, great family, great community. You've given us your word. You've given us your life. And all we can do is respond in praise. We love you. Amen.